It's also a Sicha Hanukkah, a summary of the Sicha. In our parsha, the Pasuk says, when the, the brothers of Yosef threw him into the pit, so it says, this pit was empty, there was no water in it. So the, we find in the Gemara, in the discussion of the laws of Hanukkah, the story of Hanukkah, the laws of Hanukkah, it says over there, Rav Kahana um, said in the name of so-and-so, and uh, why does it say, and the pit was empty, there was no water? Because if it says that it was empty, I know that there was no water. So what is it telling us that there was no water? It means to say there was no water in it. It was only empty of water. But there were snakes and scorpions in the pit. On the surface it seems that the reason the Gemara brings this teaching in the story of Hanukkah, in the discussion of Hanukkah, is because it's the same author that said something on the matter of Hanukkah. They quoted something in his name about Hanukkah, which does belong in that discussion. And so they said another thing that he said as well. But since Torah is so accurate, it doesn't. It's, that's not the only thing. If it's found in Hanukkah, there's some connection between this idea and Hanukkah as well. Now, since we have a statement of the sages, Ein Mayim water refers to Torah. It means Torah. So it's understood that when the Torah says over here that Ein by Mayim, it's also referring to Torah, especially that the Medrash actually says that that when it, the pit was empty, the Medrash says, Yaakov's pit became emptied of Torah. There was no water, there was no Torah in Yaakov's pit, because Torah is compared to water. So obviously, in this context, the Medrash itself interprets it that way, so for sure it means that. Even when the Medrash gives the other interpretation, which is there was no water, but there was snakes and scorpions. So what this means is, that when a person is in a state of being where there, he doesn't have words of Torah, he's not, he's not learning, he doesn't, his mind is not filled with Torah, it's a given that he will be filled with snakes and scorpions. There's no middle ground. When a person's mind is not filled with Torah, it's filled with snakes and scorpions, which means negative things. Things in a position to Torah. Similar to what the Baal Shem Tov says on the Pasuk Vesartem Vavadatem, we say it in Shema, if you will turn away from Hashem and you will worship idols. So the Baal Shem Tov says, you will turn away. The moment you turn away, it's a given that you will end up worshiping idols, at least on a subtle way. doesn't mean literally bowing down to stone, but in a subtle way. But you really, we could really ask the question, we can understand what the Baal Shem Tov says, Vesartem Vavadatem, because when you turn away from Hashem, that's what Vesartem means, I turned away from Hashem. Obviously, that's going to lead to worshipping an idol. But when we talk about a person that is not filled with Torah, he's not necessarily doing something negative. So why is it that automatically it's, by, it's a given that if he, turns, if he doesn't have his head filled with Torah, then it will be filled with snakes and scorpions? Another thing we understand, it's written that the brothers of Yosef were not completely they weren't just committing murder they felt that the, uh, what Yosef did deserved the death penalty because he was trying to uh, rat them out to his father and uh, that would have put him in the, the, he, was, he was scheming to have them die, to have them killed and the law is, if somebody's trying to get you killed, you should kill him first that was one rationale another one was, you know, others as well explanations of why they did this and they thought that it was Alpitayr 
So in other words, it's not like, why does the Medrash say that the pit of Yaakov was emptied of Torah by what the brothers did? They were doing it according to the Torah in their mind. That's what they were doing. So what do you mean it was empty of Torah? So to understand this, we have to understand, what does it mean the Torah is Ein Mayim El We're comparing Torah to water. In what way? There are a number of things which Torah is compared to. Sometimes Torah is compared to bread, sometimes to wine, sometimes to oil. So what does it mean that it's compared to all these things? There are different aspects of Torah which are compared to these different things. There's one dimension of Torah which is compared to bread, another one to wine, and one of them is water. So what is it about water that makes it that gives makes it a good analogy for Torah? So our sages tell us why is Torah compared to water? Because just like water always goes from the high place down to the lowest place, it finds its spot at the lowest level, at the lowest place. So also Torah um, goes down to the lowest place, which means it's only a person that is humble where Torah will reside. Torah will only be successful in somebody that is humble. It doesn't reside in the high places, only in the low places with hum- people with humility. So in other words, Torah, water is not an analogy for what Torah is, but how Torah is acquired. That's what it's an analogy to. So which now explains why the Medrash says that the pit of Yaakov was empty of Torah. That's not to say that the brothers were not learning Torah or conducting themselves according to Torah. What it means is they didn't do it with enough humility, at least on their level, that they should have. Because the higher a person is, the greater humility that is expected. As we see from the fact that when a person bows down during, by Baruch Atah in Shemenesra, so the halacha is, you bow down, you kneel, you, you bend at the knee by Baruch and Atah, and by Hashem you should be upright already. Except for the king. The king, once he bows down, he doesn't straighten up for the whole time. So we see, because the king is on a greater level, that's why he has to practice even more humility. So if it means that you need humility with Torah, so then how much more so? There was no water. They were learning Torah. They just didn't have enough humility. Why does that automatically, by default, lead to snakes and scorpions? So the explanation is, the main feature of Torah, the one, the one thing, the greatest thing we're looking for in Torah is, because it's Hashem that gave the Torah, we want to connect to the giver of the Torah through the learning of Torah. Now, since Hashem is infinite and our minds are finite, there's no way that a finite mind can hope to capture Hashem's infinite wisdom, His essence that comes from His essence. Therefore, when a person is able to escape his status as a created being, which means he negates, he de-emphasizes his importance as a person. He practices bittle. The more you de-emphasize your importance as a person, the less limited you are by being a, a created being. And then Hashem, Hashem's infinite wisdom can penetrate even you, even a, a created being. In other words, to reach the giver of the Torah rather than the, uh, the intellectual capacity of Torah, you need bittle in order to reach that, to connect to that. Which explains why the Pasuk says, 
it says, my, my soul, I should be like dust before everybody. Open my heart to the Torah. What's the connection between the two? It would seem the contrary. In order to be able to study Torah, a person has to employ his intellect. You have to work hard to try to understand. So that is not the practicing bittel. So why do these two ideas reside in the same pasuk? I should be like dust, and then open my my mind, to, my heart to the Torah. And the answer is, psach secha. Open my heart to your Torah, which means the infinite aspect of Torah. That can only be reached if I practice bittel, if I am like dust before everybody. And once I've opened myself to that kind of bittel, which means I am now able to connect to the aspect of the infinite aspect of Torah, now I need to work hard with my own mind to be able to understand it, because that's the only way to acquire Torah is to work hard and think and 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 uh, study Torah well. That takes your intellect, but only after the after you've given the uh, pro, the uh, introduction of. I, I do this through Bittl. Which explains also why the Gemara says that when a, per, a person can only remember Torah when they verbalize it. When you verbalize, you say the words, then you can remember it. Why does that have to be? Torah is intellect, intellectual, so it's something that fits in the mind. It's something that you have to think rather than speak. Why is it so important to verbalize it? In fact, in some cases, like if somebody says the words of the oral Torah, like Gemara, Mishnayis, but doesn't understand what he's saying, it's like he didn't, it's nothing. It doesn't count as the study of Torah. So what is the quality of saying it if it seems that understanding it seems more important? The answer is the same thing. Understanding Torah, when a person is only in, in, involved in understanding Torah, what he's doing is, he's using his the highest, my highest power, my highest talent as a human is to understand. That's intellect is the highest talent. And if that's all he brings to the table, it's, so then he's not reaching. He's, that doesn't express Bittl. That expresses his importance as a, an intellectual human being. But if he wor- says the words too, not only says the words, but it says, Kolatzmaisetemarna, Every part of me should be involved in the learning of Torah. When you see people that learn Torah, they, they swing their hands and they're using their thumb to dig into the idea. All those things express that this is not about me as an intellectual. This is about me connecting to the Word of Hashem. And then you capture the Neusana Torah, the godly aspect of Torah, the infinite aspect of Torah. But if you only remain with the intellectual, then it doesn't stay, it doesn't sink in. It doesn't you'll 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 forget it. If you say it, then you'll you'll it'll be retained. Because then you connect you're taking the godly aspect of Torah, which is what you're reaching for, and you allow it to flow into you because it's not about you as the created being. It's about being connected to Hashem. And then it remains. So now, based on this, we can understand very well why, if there's no mayim, which means there's no water, which means there's no bittel, then it will lead to snakes and scorpions. Because if you're studying Torah with bittel, then your whole purpose of studying is to connect to Hashem. You really want to know what does Hashem want? What does He want? What is He saying? Not what ideas can I come up with. But if you, if you are studying with your own ideas... 
then it's easy to go down the wrong path. You can think down your path rather than Hashem's path. Therefore, that leads to perverted, that could lead to perverted conclusions, which are the Nechashim Akravit. And that's what the Medrash means, that the pit of Yaakov was emptied of Torah because they weren't, they didn't have enough bittel, so therefore the conclusions that they came to were the wrong conclusions. They thought that they were thinking their way through a subject in Torah, seeing what Torah says about this, but obviously they perverted what the conclusion of Torah would be, and it was because there wasn't enough bittel to lead them to the right path, to the true meaning of the Torah. It's also well known that the diff- one of the differences between the way that P- um, the others and their children study Torah and the difference to how the Yidin learned Torah after Matan Torah is that when they were learning it before Torah they were studying under their own abilities they could reach to wherever a human can un- reach with their understanding but once Hashem gave the Torah to the Yidin so now he gave it to us as a gift and he gave us the ability to be able to connect to his to the way he gave the Torah the way it comes from within him and he gave us the gift to be able to connect to that. And he, so the, we have a question based on this. Rather, we have an answer to a question based on this. The, uh, our sages tell us that at the beginning, Moshe Rabbeinu was learning, this is after Mount Torah, Moshe Rabbeinu was learning Torah, but he kept forgetting what he was learning until Hashem gave, him, gave it to him as a gift. So the question is, what is why was he forgetting? The others were learning Torah for generations already, for hundreds of years they weren't forgetting obviously because otherwise you wouldn't be able to call it a yeshiva they learned in yeshiva you can't have a yeshiva in which every day you have to start from scratch so they weren't forgetting it so why was Moshe forgetting it after Matan Torah the answer is they were learning it on a level that they could understand what they could grasp and that sat in their minds now after Matan Torah Hashem gave us a gift which is his the way he learns Torah but if you're not yet there so it doesn't sit with you so therefore he kept forgetting until Hashem because he is able to bring together the finite and the infinite and therefore even though it's impossible for the infinite to be, in, to be caught up in the finite just like the, uh, the Gemara says that it's impossible to imagine an elephant going through the eye of a needle which means that the elephant shouldn't be reduced in size and the eye of the needle shouldn't be enlarged in size. The elephant should remain big and the needle should, the eye of the needle should remain small and should fit through. That's something that you can't even dream because you can't even imagine it. So just if that's true and both an elephant and eye of the needle are basically limited, how could something infinite fit into a mind of a human being? But because Hashem gave it to a, as a gift to Moshe afterwards, which means he says, I give you the ability, I give the Yidden the ability that this infinite idea should be able to sit in their finite minds. That's a gift, a gift from Hashem. And it's not only to Moshe, it's to each and every Jew. Because every Jew says in Birchas Atayr of Enosan Lanu, he gave it to us. Meaning he gave us his Torah, the way he is in it. So now we have the ability to do it. However, there is a condition. The condition is, because Hashem doesn't want us to get things completely free, without any work at all, without any effort at all, because otherwise everything that we do would be like bread of shame. It was given to us as a gift, so we wouldn't be able to enjoy it, because if you don't 
work to get it, and you don't really, uh, you know, you don't feel like you earned it. So Hashem requires that we should make ourselves into a keli to be able to receive it. What's the keli? Bittel. Bittel is the proper keli, the proper avayda to be able to make ourselves into, diminish the important, self-importance that we feel so that we could connect to the infinite in Torah. Now we can explain the first question, which is, what's the connection between Mayim Eimboi and Hanukkah? Why, are they, why is that written in the context of Hanukkah? We know the famous explanation of the words in Allah Nisim, the prayer that we say on Hanukkah, that they, the Greeks wanted to make us forget your Torah, Torah Secha. The question is, why does it say your Torah? Why not Ha Torah, the Torah? The answer is, they didn't want to make us forget Torah. They were fine that we should study Torah. What, they, what bothered them, what annoyed them, what they couldn't stand for, was that we should call it Hashem's Torah. They didn't want to allow us to give spiritual meaning to it. It's a wise book, it's a great book. But it's Hashem's Torah, that they couldn't tolerate. With, for the same reason, they didn't want, they didn't, it doesn't say that they broke all the jars in the base, of oil in the base of Migdash. It says that they contaminated them all. Why did they contaminate them, which means touching them, rather than break them? If they didn't want the Yidin to light the Menorah, they should have broke them. The answer is they didn't care that the Yidin should light the Menorah. But they said, why? If a goy touches it, then it becomes contaminated? What does that mean? Can you show me? Can we measure the contamination? It's a spiritual thing which is incomprehensible. That's what they didn't like. So they deliberately contaminated them. And that's why Hashem gave them the gift of the miracle. Because it would seem that they didn't really need a miracle. The halacha is that when everybody is, is Tomei, then we suspend the laws of Tumah. So since everybody was tummy because of the war and all the oil was tummy, then they could have lit the menorah with the contaminated oil. But Hashem didn't want that to happen because the whole war was fought on that principle that we don't light with the contaminated oil. We, don't, we study Hashem's Torah. That's why He gave them the gift that they found one jar of pure oil and it lasted as long as they needed it for eight days, as long as they needed to prepare more. In other words, it's all about the same point. It's Hashem's Torah. We are trying to connect to the infinite, to the spiritual part of it all. And that's what the Yavanim didn't like, and that's why this whole conversation fits into the story of Hanukkah. Ultimately, our purpose in Hanukkah is to light the Menorah and to make sure to bring the light of the Menorah to the outside and that it should neutralize as it says in the halacha, till when can you light the menorah? Till the feet of the peddlers, the goyisha peddlers that walk outside in the street in the market, till they leave, till they're gone. That's once they're gone, then there's no point to light the menorah. Nobody sees it. But what that is, the spiritual message is there that the lights of Hanukkah are meant to make sure that the feet of the of the goyisha peddlers are gone. The, the word for peddlers is tarmodoi, which if you reverse the word, you jumble the words, it's meiredes, which means the rebellious. We have to neutralize all rebellion. That's the power of the Hanukkah lights. When we accomplish that, we'll be, we will uh, illuminate the golos, and then we'll be in the coming of Mashiach, the Meir Amen.